Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with Francesco Strazzullo, a full-stack developer and consultant. Francesco started his software development journey writing Java applications. However, he has spent a better part of the past decade working with the front-end languages and libraries and researching on how to improve the design and functionality of JavaScript-based applications. We discussed the benefits and challenges of implementing domain-driven design, command query responsibility separation, and event-driven architecture when working on the front-end. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Francesco, and let's have a listen. Hi, Francesco. How are you today? Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Sarah. I am nice. Thank you. And I'm very happy to be here to be to talk with you about DDD. Yeah, same. And um, I'm excited because we'll be uh, talking about something that's a little bit different from uh, my previous conversations with the guests. So um, really excited to dive into some uh, details with you. But before we do that, do you mind um, telling everybody a little bit about yourself, um, maybe where you are and what you do? Yeah, I am uh, Francesco Strasul, and I am uh, a software engineer at uh, Flowing, a remote first company in Italy. I actually, I believe in Treviso, it's near Venice uh, in Italy, in the north of Italy. And I have uh, a Java background as a developer, but in the last, I think, nine, 10 years, something like that, I worked for, in, um, I worked in the front-end ecosystem. So big JavaScript application, also manage also very, very complex JavaScript applications. And I'm also an author of two books uh, with two very different um, content, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's strange, but they are related in a way. The first, okay. the first book that I wrote is uh, Frameworkless Frontend Development. This was about working effectively without frameworks in JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And the second one is uh, is new. It's uh, out this year, two weeks ago, and nice. it's about decision decision making for software developer teams. It's a, a book about a series of techniques that can help teams in uh, uh, choosing between patterns, frameworks, architectures, and so on. Fantastic, um, and congratulations on the new book. That's that's really exciting. Right. I know we Thank talked you. about it at some point last year, but yeah, I didn't realize it was uh, it, it was coming up. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, um, thank you. Fantastic. So this is a really great um, way to actually introduce the topic that we're talking about today, which is uh, front-end and uh, DDD applications and um, DDD within front-end. So um, it's actually, as I mentioned, a topic that uh, I haven't really delved much into um, in the past conversations. And um, you and I started talking about it uh, last year as I joined one of the workshops uh, that you were doing uh, probably yeah. was early last year, right? <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. And <laughs> it was a very interesting um, topic to, to talk about and to see sort of uh, firsthand being implemented. So uh, let's talk about that a bit. So can you tell me first, how did you get interested in DDD and being in the front end side of things? Uh, why is it uh, important to actually talk about domain-driven design in the front-end sort of uh, ecosystem. Okay, uh, I will start explaining to you uh, how I 
thought about the ide for front ends because it's a strange thing because it's uh, right. it's because of my java background so i started learning javascript with a java mindset okay that was uh, extremely painful uh, in a, you can't do I do it reverse. I did JavaScript yeah. first, and then I went to Java, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is nice." <laughs> yeah. You actually confused yourself. Okay, great. Go ahead. But, um, I was um, I, I I love JavaScript. Okay, mm -hmm. now I I really love the way of thinking of JavaScript developers. But you know, at the beginning, it was quite painful because right. it's a completely different mindset. But yeah. in the meantime, while I was learning JavaScript, I was continuing to uh, writing Java code and learning about DDD. So mm -hmm. after sometimes I understood that a lot of the techniques that I learned in the, the books of DDD, I could also use them in the JavaScript application that they helped me in, the, in these years in, uh, I think, work creating uh, top-notch quality uh, code bases for front-end. Right. Uh, this is my story with DDD and front-end. On the, on the second topic, on why it's important, I think it's important because front-end or client applications are becoming more and more complex and the front-end developer has a lot of power now. Uh, if you want, if you think about the GraphQL, they they can just manipulate data on the front end in the way that they want. So they have also a lot of responsibility. Right. And uh, so I think that uh, it's time to start thinking about also how to move some of the techniques of DDD. I don't think that everything is comparable to the also to the front end or JavaScript application. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that actually is interesting. You mentioned that because we had a very similar conversation between uh, two of the developers within my team, um, which is uh, Axon, a cloud team, about the responsibilities between the back end and the front end. So as um, you mentioned in the past, there was um, this you know, overall understanding that the back end takes care of a lot of the functionality and the front end is more or less more static. And that's changing quite a bit now with as you mentioned, GraphQL and um, some of the other um, libraries that are out there, for instance, Svelte. And um, so it's it's interesting to see that uh, shift, which I'm sure if I talk to front-end developers, they're going <laughs> to disagree with me and say, yes, a lot of the functionality actually has always been on the front-end, which, which is uh, a lot of times the case. But it's interesting to see that's uh, changing and developing. So that's, that's really... Um, interesting you mentioned that and we had this conversation literally yesterday so it's really cool oh now, cool yeah exactly. so so it's not a topic so okay yeah it's a, it's a hot topic definitely <laughs> at least in my team Perfect. We're, we're constantly discussing it um, especially when it comes to deployment you know when we're talking about if we want to separate the applications the front end and the back end for instance and how we want to handle the deployment of the front end versus back end do, do they need to be coupled do they need to be a couple of things like that so yeah there's a there's a lot of uh, conversation around that uh, topic as well in uh, within the team so we did mention, you actually just talked about your um, experience and how you got to learn a bit more about DDD, which was through your work uh, within the Java um, applications and systems. And then you basically put in your knowledge of uh, what you learned 
uh, about DDD and sort of started thinking about it in terms of the front end implementation. So when we do talk about DDD, a lot of times we're talking uh, mostly about um, maybe backend or operations and things like that. There are not a lot of resources about domain-driven design and front-end applications. And do you have any idea why? Uh, okay. Um, I think that the um, one of the reasons could be an historic one, because when people start talking about DDD, the front-end as a complex ecosystem of tools, languages, uh, frameworks, didn't even exist at the time. So while you're going to talk about the domain, you were talking about a backend or perhaps also desktop applications. Okay? We were in that uh, age of software. Uh, and so I think that the first thing is uh, historical. For historical reason, people talked about other languages uh, than uh, JavaScript. Uh, just like, for example, the famous book of Martin Fuller, Refactoring, the first edition was in Java, the second one is in JavaScript, because, you know, 20 years pass in the, between the two editions. Um, and I think there is also a, a community problem. The community problem is of, on both sides. On the, it's on the DDD community, there is a problem, uh, and also in the front-end community. Let's analyze before the front-end community because it's easier. The problem with the front-end community is that uh, at the beginning, when, uh, I don't know how to explain, when people start working actively only with JavaScript, because before 10 years ago, it was not thinkable that somebody could actually work eight hours a day on a JavaScript application. Okay, the front-end engineers, they even have like six at the time. But when they start creating the community, they arrived from different uh, world. There was some designer that was started to coding, some webmaster that was started to coding, or other like me that was already developers that started coding in a language that was uh, ugly at the time, because at the time it was ugly, uh, and it was strange. Uh, so. It was a mess. So we, we, we weren't ready as a community to work on that kind of uh, high-level reasoning. But there, also, uh, there is also a problem with the DDD community because they don't think that JavaScript is a solution when talking about uh, DDD. Uh, and I think this is because um, in JavaScript, you don't have types. So, uh, so people uh, don't think that you can actually create an aggregate without a class. But they think that uh, object-oriented programming is about objects, not about, about classes. So it's actually doable, but you need to un deeply understand JavaScript. I think that today we are ready to match the two things from, because on one part, the JavaScript community became more mature about some of these themes. And on the other part, we, we have TypeScript. TypeScript is uh, very similar to C Sharp or Java. So it could be a lingua franca for both the words. But in my experience, it's actually, everything is actually doable uh, with plain JavaScript. So uh, 
it should not be uh, a barrier language, right. but actually it is when you need to talk between two different group of people. So if the JavaScript, in your opinion, do you think that was the main reason that uh, people really um, tend to stay away from DDD when it came to front-end applications? And do you think that the libraries that have developed within the front-end, for instance, um, React, um, uh, Vue.js, and so forth, do you think those have helped um, the front-end um, community kind of think a little bit differently about the domain? and implementing that into their thinking? Um, yeah, I, I think JavaScript is a problem because uh, for a lot of years, as in, uh, it was treated, treated as a toy. Right. If you talk, it's, it's, that's the main problem, okay? So nobody actually thought that you can build a top-notch code base in JavaScript. Mm -hmm. and, and so this is part of the problem. The other part that you mentioned about libraries and frameworks is another part of the problem because uh, frameworks um, tried to, uh, I'm starting with jQuery, okay? From jQuery onward, they tried to uh, create a structure in a very, very messy world of front-end development. Hmm. And with messy, I mean by design. Okay, it's uh, a bit chaotic to work on the front end because you have to work with the user. So right. you need to think that the user can actually click in a place that they shouldn't be. Uh, okay, so it's uh, it's by design chaotic sometimes working in the front end. Yeah. And the frameworks tried to frame uh, giving a structure, but nobody was thinking about um, defend the domain from the frameworks, okay? Uh, because everybody was talking just about framework because they were the off topic. That's a really interesting thing you mentioned, which is defend the domain against the, the, the framework. That's really interesting. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I can give you an example. Uh, if you work, for example, in React, mm -hmm. they, um, they suggest you for performances reasons, and, and, and then I, I can understand it why, to for example, if you have an object, if you if you if the state of your page is are three variables, I don't know, three uh, form input, they suggest you to put them in three different variables because it's uh, it's more efficient to check for the change of a primitive type in JavaScript than a, a complex object. But doing that, you are binding the values in the UI component. Right. Uh, what you can do is to remove the object from the UI and all the modification do that in a, in a domain object, like uh, DDD, or if you want, also hexagonal architecture or solid principle. Uh, it's not just related to DDD, we'll suggest. But the, the pain point is that you need to be very, very, um, skilled JavaScript developer to do that because mm -hmm. in order to keep the domain uh, free from the framework and be effective uh, performant, you need to do some tricks. Uh, you need to freeze some objects. You need to, for example, copy objects and not modify them by reference. So uh, there is a bit of problem in applying DDD from the front end uh, because of the chaos that I was talking to. 
uh, you need to always be performant because uh, you are the front line, right. okay, uh, on the user. So if if something is wrong, the user actually uh, get them immediately. Right. So um, it's not so easy to apply that, but it's actually doable. You just need a little of uh, um, training, okay, mental training, and also sometimes also understand that you can lose a bit of um, performances, for example, in order to keep the domain as clean as possible from the from the framework. Makes sense. Now. Um... So we did talk about some difficulties and obstacles in terms of um, implementing DDD within um, front-end frameworks, for instance. But what do you think is the most uh, challenging obstacle when it comes to applying DDD to the front-end that um, developers would have to overcome? Uh, Is to think outside the box. It's that different it's the, mindset, isn't it? We constantly yeah, talk yeah, exactly. about that. Because, <laughs> because uh, I think that backend developers, also if they are not into DDD, but they grasp during these years most of the concept also um, by osmosis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, for front end, sometimes you also you really need to change your mindset. Yeah. I got to say, though, for the back end, there's a lot of um, change of mindset and thinking outside of the box also that needs to happen, especially with uh, some of the more experienced developers, because they've been so used to doing something for so long. You have to really kind of redesign that (laughs) process of thinking Uh, about things. You're you're right. You're right. Because last time (laughs) that I worked with uh, an external Java team, they thought that the only way to work was with Spring. So, okay, we have exactly the same problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. The, the problem in the front end at the end is that you don't have any kind of material to actually study because uh, there is no literature about that. Yeah, which goes back to so you need, resources. You, you, you need, yeah, yeah it's a, you need a double jump. So you need right. to read the books, understand what were they were trying to say in the Java world, and then you need to apply that to your world. So it's, I think the answer to your question is, is double jump the problem. Yeah, and I think part of it goes back to the topic of functionality that we were talking about a little bit earlier with um, a lot of the logic, basically, a lot of times is in the back end and not necessarily in the front end. But now that things are changing and shifting a bit, you do have to also think about that and shift your mindset, I think, when it comes to that as well. Yeah, exactly. For example, uh, in front-end today, when you're talking about UX, you usually use the optimistic UI. Okay, mm-hmm. so you don't click and then wait for the server. You just click and you say, okay, everything is all right. Let me handle that. And you just work on the worst case scenario. Exactly. But if you, right. do, but if you do that, uh, the front end should be able to do mo- almost the same operations as the back end because they need to simulate what is going to happen. Yeah. So if you are, for example, you know you are working with the classical order and order row aggregate, mm-hmm. okay, you need to do something very similar on the front end because when you manipulate an order, you need mm-hmm. to see the different what you did in the same time that you're clicking. 
and not and not just not to wait when until you get the response. Not to wait and exactly, exactly not to wait. So you want it to be eventually consistent, but you're not wait you're not keeping your user wait on you. And exactly. that's why a lot of things are happening asynchronously. Yeah. And they need to happen uh, sometimes also uh, similar, right? In, in a similar way. So the the complexity of the code it's not so different sometimes. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. Now. Shifting a little bit um, into a bit more um, uh, detail, if, if you would. So we, we are talking about domain-driven design, which um, you know we have to focus on the domain and the question at hand with the, with the business side a lot of times. Let's talk a little bit about CQRS and what does that mean for front-end application? Because you and I have had conversations about um, using Axon or uh, various other things. So what does it mean for the front end applications to use CQRS, do they need to? Is it necessary? I will not say that it is necessary, but I think that CQRS. It always CQRS, depends, right? Yeah, of, of course. It's always the answer for every question. Exactly, it depends. I think. But, uh, okay, let's concentrate for a moment on CQRS. So, just on the separation between the read, read model and write model. Um, it actually make a lot, made a lot of sense for the front end. Like the front, the, the purpose of the front end is to display data right. and to get data from the users. Okay, so you always have a different mental model for front end and uh, for sorry for printing data that if you want is reading data. So right. what you in the back end you call a read model. If you want in the front end, you can call a render model because you can show the same data set in different ways. Right. Uh, and you have the write model. The write model are just the JSONs that you need to send to the server. Correct. Um, I try to do that sometimes when um, you need a very, very complicated transformation in order to have uh, performances. So mm -hmm. what I do is that I receive data from the server, so I, need, uh, I receive the, the JSONs. I can't have two different databases, okay? Because if uh, if the backend is not in CQRS itself, so right. I think if you have a data, if you have a, a backend that is just a simple CRUD, CRUD, okay, simple. Mm -hmm. But so what I do is that I take the JSONs and then I prepare all the mapping beforehand. In the background with the web workers or something like that so the user don't have to wait so when for example change the visualization i don't know like a calendar okay from a week to a grid to some other stuff they are already uh, prepared from the users mm -hmm. uh the, the result is different but the the idea it's very similar to the secures partner yeah then we have the other part, events, event sourcing, okay? Uh, event sourcing, it's a very helpful. Okay, I will not talk about event sourcing because people, I don't want that people think that it's actually the same. Let's talk about event-driven architectures. It's uh, more correct. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I think that event-driven architecture are useful in two uh, main scenarios. And the first one is uh, when you need to um, keep a lot of data synchronized between devices or um, tabs, for example, 
in a front-end application, okay? So chats or messages system uh, and so on. When you have a lot of things that, so, uh, I don't know, Sarah is writing, you want to print that like in Slack. Right. Probably you need a socket that is working between your clients. Sure. And the best way to do that is with events. With a, a simple event, it is person print, uh, wrote something, right. and in the payload, you have Sarah. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is one of the scenarios. And the other one is when you have uh, micro front ends, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when, when you have micro front ends, you can use uh, some API. Uh, I think the one API is called Broadcast Channel. That is, a, that is an event tunnel in the browser. Okay. Uh, that you can use to communicate between different iframes, different web components, or different tabs between the same browser. Gotcha. So, so there is actually, there is, this is something that not a lot of devel- front end developer knows, but there is an event tunnel uh, in, in every browser that you can use uh, for, for, for fun and profit. <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is great to know. Now I'm going to go play around with it. Um, you did mention something that I wanted to ask you about. So, um, you were talking about if um, the front-end application is using CQRS and the back-end is not. Um, is it necessary for both to sort of be in sync in that sense, or does it not matter if the front-end is? Because we, we we know that the front-end doesn't always have to be CQRS for the back-end to be. Um, is this kind of vice versa, or do you prefer the back-end? It, it be? could be. Yeah. It could be because, uh, for example, um, for a lot of reasons, you may have, for example, a very, very old application, okay, with a, an old UI, and then you can create a new UI with the same database. In that case, for example, you may have a very different data visualization from the same data set, but you don't need to also change the data set to do that. Right. Or, or, or at least you don't have to do it immediately. You can do it in uh, two separate uh, times, in separate works. So I think that I related because you can have a very, very simple backend and a very complex frontend or vice versa. Vice versa, uh, yeah. Uh, so they, they don't have to be the same at all times. Can, but don't exactly. have to be. Cool. Or um, I, can yeah, make, I can make another, another example. Uh, sure. You may also have two different uh, front-end applications that for different kind of users, right. back office and, for example, end user, right. they can share the same uh, back-end application sometimes. Yeah, makes sense. So yeah. One is SecureOS, the other one is not. Right, makes sense. Yeah, that's great. Um, now, can you talk about some scenarios where you think that um, we did talk a little bit about um, some examples for the front end with uh, with CQRS and event-driven architecture. Um, any other benefits that you can think of or um, we can kind of make the cases for um, front end developers is, hey, let's let's go learn more about DDD or CQRS because it's, it's useful. Um, so can we talk a little bit more about examples okay. or um, cases that you uh, can discuss? Yeah, I can give you two different sets of, of example. Perfect. But uh, the, first, the first one is about uh, plain DDD. Okay, so play the domain-driven object, domain objects without frameworks. 
And this is extremely useful when you work with legacy applications. Right. Because in, in, a, lot of, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, I've been called as a consultant to say, okay, I have a very, this very, very old application. Okay, a little context. In, in a front-end application, very old, it's five to eight years. Okay. okay. So we have a different lifespan of a backend. But we have, I have a very old framework that I can't work with anymore because I don't find people that uh, they are, want to work with whatever reason. So right. I want to shift to a new framework. Mm-hmm. What I do in these cases is, to, okay, let's start extract everything that we can away from the original framework. Right. And then when you have your domain, you have your repositories, services, you have all the kind of stuff that it's as much as possible unrelated from the original framework, we can decide to add another framework for rendering, for example, because the most challenging part for a front-end application is rendering. It's where you usually need to use a framework because it's, it's hard to create a performant rendering engine. But all the other stuff, it's actually doable. I would not say easy, but it's doable. Sure, right. Uh, event sourcing. Uh, event sourcing. It could be interesting when you have to um, when you have an event sourcing backend. Also, to use some event architecture on the front end because you can do uh, optimistic UI based on events. Mm-hmm. So, as an example, I send an event to a server, but in the same time, I send the exactly same event via a socket to all the client connected. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting because I can send the event, I can wait for another event of confirmation that the backend is okay. But in the meantime, every client connected to the socket can just update their UI right. with the same uh, a chat system, for example. I can send right. a message, I send a message through the socket to the client, and then I wait for a confirmation from the server when it will arrive. Whenever I don't need comes, to, yeah, yeah whenever it comes. Mm-hmm. And if you have event sourcing or Axon on the backend, mm-hmm. using it also with the, with the socket and the frontend, it's, uh, it could lead to a very, very um, elegant approach. Got it. Right. It would be a smooth operation, which is just always yeah. nice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Because you can use the same mindset for the backend to frontend communication, but also to uh, client communication or tabs to tabs communication, something like that. Makes sense. Now, when do you recommend the frontend applications to um, use DDD CQRS event sourcing? Um, I know that a lot of times um, in our trainings, we talk about um, sort of taking the monolithic approach at the very beginning when you design your systems, but make sure that you're uh, designing them with the clear API um, designs and putting some thought into that because in the future, if you want to modularize it, then it's um, easily, well, not necessarily easily, but it's doable. And uh, then you can go into uh, microservices if you decide to in the future. But um, at the very beginning, if you, let's say, if you don't need to use CQRS, for instance, or if you don't need to use um, this sort of distributed uh, systems, don't approach it right away. Is this the same case for the front end? Do you recommend that um, folks don't necessarily jump right into DDD CQRS event-driven architecture if they don't 
needs to? Uh, absolutely, because for a front-end, a modern front-end application, so something that I'm starting writing in 2022, yeah. um, it's quite easily to split stuff later because, uh, you know, we have in the front-end, we have tree shaking is called, okay? So I have my index.js. Yeah. And this index.js creates a tree of dependencies. I can create a part of the tree that is asynchronous. So, for example, this is, uh, this is done for performance reason, not for uh, code quality reason, like, for example, uh, on the backend. Right. But the result is very similar if you split your code with a DDD mine. Gotcha. When I start navigating a part of the application, I will download it and the user will start working on it. But uh, to do, in order to do that, your code should be splitted. In a, in a cool way, right? Not necessarily by bounded context. But the point is that the reason that because you are splitting it, because if you are splitting it for maintainability, <coughs> probably you should use a DDD approach. But you can also start very simple and splitting by navigation. So, okay. for example, if you start, you are log, you need to log in. You can you just have the login application this is just a part of your code right, right then you have the list you have advanced settings everything is uh, separated yeah. uh and this is a simple part it's actually how most frameworks would work out of the of the box right you can also do uh think different so you can just working with uh bounded context and then you have you can have a micro front-end architecture when mm -hmm. in the same page you have different pieces that are communicating through events. Yeah, makes sense. Um, that's that's really interesting um, to to find out more about. And um, uh, I would love to um, learn a little bit about uh, what we discussed today uh, more from your writings as well. So I'll, I'll be sure to add the links for uh, the listeners to check out your um, your books and uh, other uh, content that you'd like to share. Um, on, a, on a separate topic, um, you are doing a uh, meetup with a couple of my colleagues here in a few months, right? Um, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? What are you, what are you guys going to talk about and uh, where is it going to be? And um, can people access it remotely as well or is it only in person? Uh, it will be hybrid. So it will be in Italy, here in Treviso, near Venice. It will right. be in September, uh, and it will be about uh, exactly this topic, how to create a, a front-end application with DDD. Uh, and I think I need to work on it, but I think that is, uh, uh, like I said before, a shift from a, a, an a simple application made with the framework's way, mm -hmm. And I can just start to removing pieces from the framework and add it to a complex domain with uh, objects uh, and repositories, services, and so on. Yeah. And as a bonus track, I will probably then add also an event sourcing uh, layer mm -hmm. to communicate between client and server. This will probably be the topic, and it should be hybrid, so we can yes. actually you can actually see that also online. Awesome. Really exciting things happening uh, for you and for us as well, and together collaborating, which yeah, is great. Exactly. So fantastic. 
<laughs> really looking forward to um, to see what in the future uh, we'll, we'll bring and uh, we'll talk about um, um, as we go on and sort of explore these uh, various topics. But I wanted to thank you so much, Francesco, for being here today and spending some time and uh, talking about some things that um, I somewhat knew about, but not exactly. So thank you for, um, yeah, making me aware of them and uh, making me excited to learn more about it. So appreciate your time. Oh, th thanks to you. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk about uh, this stuff because I think it's uh, something that uh, people need to explore more. Uh, so it's been an honor and I'm really proud to talk about this stuff uh, with you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Thank you. And I'm so happy we finally made it work. I know we've been talking about it for over a year and I'm, I'm so yeah, excited yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, life, is, uh, life had a couple of... <laughs> little hiccups for us here and there but i'm, I'm glad we finally uh, got together and talked about the this really interesting topic thanks again and i'm sure we'll chat again soon have a yeah, good one thank you bye i hope you enjoyed my conversation with francesco please join me next time as i discover other interesting topics with wonderful guests until then have a great time and happy coding <laughs>